Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's steel, it's plastic, it's logistic cost. With over a dozen ships waiting for a berth at the port of Oakland, there are twice... You've heard it on the radio. You've seen it on your timeline, in headlines, big and small. They don't have the ships out there to, to carry the materials. The coronavirus pandemic and the supply chain. A colossal wrench in the gears of manufacturers who had to struggle to keep up with demand for almost everything. Cars, food, everyday household goods, outdoor and recreational equipment. We all remember the early days of the COVID shutdown and those infamous toilet paper shortages. But as we start to emerge from the pandemic, we find that everything from rental cars to wine to mattresses to propane tanks for your grill are still hard to find. With the most severe days of the lockdown behind us, why are we still seeing this? And how much longer can we expect those shortages to last? This is Connect the Dots from Odyssey. This week, we take a look at some of the major industries impacted by the COVID-19 kinks in the supply chain and how, though it feels a bit like we're getting back to pre-pandemic times, we're still feeling the effects of a global shutdown today. Out at the store, empty shelves, everything from toilet paper to garlic and N95 masks, high demand. Hard yeah, they're, they're sold out in like a half hour. In the spring and summer of 2020, toilet paper and paper towels flew off the shelves. The near future of retail access? Unclear. Hand sanitizer and Clorox wipes? Close to impossible to find, as Americans tried to deter a then-mysterious virus from entering their homes. By mid-March, most offices were ordered to work remotely, with few people, if any, filling the desks in high-rises and office buildings. CEOs, assistants, account managers, parents, all working from home. Some simultaneously looking after and teaching their children, who were now also at home. The surfaces of kitchen counters and dining room tables now taken up by laptops, learning tablets, textbooks, headphones, pens, paper, and crayons. And not only schools and workplaces, but movie theaters, summer camps, bars, restaurants, concert venues, they all remained closed. The sudden reality of spending much more time at home had people looking not only to refresh, declutter, and love their living spaces a little more, driving a spike in home improvement purchases. It also drove people to head outdoors and hit the road just to get out of the house. That drove bicycle shortages and a surge in purchases of outdoor and recreational equipment. But maybe the most popular purchases? Electronics. Learning, working, and connecting with people all from home. And the efforts of cities and communities to close the digital divide. 
giving families without one a device for their children to learn at home. That all drove a huge demand in the electronics market. And, as a result, a massive shortage in the chips needed to make those devices run. And it turns out those chips were more important in the supply chain than to just our laptops and iPads. They contributed to a shortage of in-demand items from video game consoles to the family car. Jeff Gilbert reports on the automobile industry for WWJ Radio in Detroit. I asked him when that chip shortage started to affect the car industry and how. Well, the, the, the genesis of it was during the pandemic shutdown. During the pandemic, just about every car plant in the country was shut down. And there also was this fear that when we came out of the pandemic, we were going into a big recession and people wouldn't be buying vehicles. So car makers drastically reduced their orders of computer chips. And then all of a sudden, car sales took off much better than people thought. And these chips were already gone to other industries. So you end up with the auto industry with a shortage of chips. So they've had to idle factories. They've not been able to make hundreds of thousands of vehicles at, at a time when there's really heavy demand for those vehicles. So it was a combination of planning, throw in there some bad weather in Texas, throw in there a big fire at a chip factory in Japan, and you have a perfect storm. Sure. And also the fact that so many people were staying home and getting more electronics so that they could communicate from home, that helped contribute to a chip shortage. Exactly. One analyst gave me a great analogy. He told me chips were like screws. They're in everything. And you need a lot of them to make a car. You need a lot of them to make a cell phone, a computer, and you can't make it without them. So when the car industry ended up becoming short of chips, in some cases, they could make parts of the car and not put in, say, a heating or air conditioning unit that used a chip. In other cases, they had to shut down factories entirely. There are lots in the Detroit area that are filled with vehicles that are partially made waiting for chips so that they can be finished. Uh, Ford has been hit particularly hard. They've said they expect to lose roughly half their production of vehicles in the second quarter. Nobody's been unscathed. So what about labor during that time? What happened with the workforce? Did that contribute to this? Uh, People were laid off, but uh, it's interesting the way the auto industry works. The labor at the auto assembly plants is highly unionized. So those people have agreements where they get about 80% of their pay when they're on layoff. The the people who were hurt the most were people who were non-union and working for auto suppliers. For example, if you're not making a car, you don't need the seats, so the supplier of the seat has to shut down their plant. So those right. are the plants that the people that were actually hurt by, by the shutdown. So how deeply did this affect the industry and its sales? It, it, it's currently affecting the industry quite a bit. Uh, we're, we're going to lose production of probably many hundred thousands of vehicles, maybe over a million vehicles this year, at a time when there is a heavy demand for vehicles. So far, dealers have been very resilient. They've been able to find ways to get people to order vehicles. They've been able to do some wheeling and dealing with other dealers to find vehicles that were acceptable to people. And sales have not been hurt, but every analyst I talk to say that they expect that to happen at some point this summer. So, so far, sales have been resilient, and there actually has been a help to the auto industry as a whole because they haven't had to discount. So while that's bad for consumers, you're not going to get a huge incentive on a vehicle. It's actually been good for the bottom line profits of the car companies 
they haven't had to put thousands of dollars on the hood of a vehicle to sell it. Well, how are automakers and manufacturers deciding what to produce with the now limited parts that they do have on hand? That has been quite the juggling act, and it's, it, it's amazing to see how well they've done it. They have had an opportunity to examine things. Many of the chips are, are interchangeable. Many aren't. So you'll see a lot of the plants that have been shut down are plants that might not have the best-selling products. For example, the Windsor minivan plant at uh, Stellantis, the former Fiat Chrysler, has been mostly shut down for several months because minivans are big sellers, and those chips have been able to go across the river to Detroit where they've got pickup truck and Jeep plants, and they've been able to pump out those more profitable vehicles. At Ford, it's been a little bit more difficult. They've had to shut down assembly of their F-150 pickup a number of times, and that hurts a lot more than having to shut down, say, a minivan plant. And you end up with a really odd situation this year where the new electric Mustang Mach-E is outselling the traditional Mustang because the Mustang plant is shut down. I guess the last question is, has it gotten much better since last year, and how long do industry leaders expect these issues to last? Since last year, it's actually built upon itself. It has not gotten better. You had the shutdown, which lowered inventories, and then plants cranked out product again, and then they had to back off because of the chip shortage. So the, the situation with tight inventories is getting worse. Many analysts expect the second quarter, which we're ending right now, to be the bottom, the worst part. And they expect things to get better from here, but they don't expect things to be back to normal until sometime next year. Jeff Gilbert reports on the automobile industry for WWJ Radio in Detroit. Thank you so much for all that insight today. Thanks for the call. There's a lot of streaming services out there, each filled with reality TV, comedy, drama, and, of course, superheroes. But there's one dedicated entirely to nonfiction TV and documentary films, and that's CuriosityStream. History, science, nature, we've got it. Space, dinosaurs, big cats, we've got that too. And pretty much anything else you want to explore. Go ahead, add some smart TV to your smart TV with CuriosityStream. Go to CuriosityStream.com to sign up and start streaming today. We could all use a real vacation right about now. Lucky for us, Princess Cruises has a port right here in SF. Starting at $99 per day, Princess can take you to the beaches of Mexico, the tropics of Hawaii, the glaciers of Alaska, or along the California coast. That's right, just $99 per day. Set sail with California's cruise line. Call 1-800-PRINCESS, visit princess.com, or contact your travel advisor today. Terms and restrictions apply. Promotional pricing ends November 30th, 2021. Ships are Bermudan and British Registry. Before booking, consult the CDC website at www.cdc.gov. All Hallows' Eve, what a beautiful fright. The perfect time to visit Winchester Mystery House at night. Get lost in the house if you dare. And visit the Jack-O-Lantern Trail for a terrifying scare. Only the brave should watch the house light show and prepare for paranormal chills as you go. Now through Halloween. Tickets available now at winchestermysteryhouse.com. Though the low auto industry supply does affect many, no business drove home the effect of the shutdown on us all and on the supply lines like the restaurant industry. Jobs and businesses were decimated. 
the industry grappling with the back and forth of closing, reopening, closing once again. Dealing with the new pandemic safety issues led many to move business outdoors and left a lot of those businesses bringing in revenue that was just enough to stay afloat. Lori Thomas is the executive director of the Golden Gate Restaurant Association and a restaurant owner. A lot of us were fully constrained, certainly in San Francisco and in some other areas across the country as well, from doing indoor dining, right? And so outdoor dining was critical for for an attempt to survive. From the snowy sidewalks of New York and Chicago to the foggy parklets in San Francisco, restaurant owners scrambled to construct outdoor dining for customers. The hunt for outdoor patio heaters, outdoor furniture, and construction materials for those seating areas was on. And with little time to prepare, the heaters and the propane to fuel them were snatched up and quickly unavailable. That backlog leading to a lack of propane tanks to fire up your grill this summer. But it's not just the propane that's hard to find. Outdoor furniture is on back order. I still have 16 outdoor wicker chairs, personally, somewhere on a container, somewhere, God knows where, between China and here, um, that we're trying to desperately get delivered. Um, So outdoor furniture, I don't think anybody can find outdoor stackable restaurant chairs, like those wicker chairs you see everywhere, everything is is on back order or it's been jacked up to so expensive that you're like, what? It's $2.50 a chair? She ordered the chairs two months ago. Thomas said restaurateurs like herself are even turning to retailers like Williams-Sonoma, where they usually wouldn't shop to try to find furniture and needed items and are coming up empty-handed. According to market research from Technavio, The global outdoor furniture market is supposed to grow by $8.27 billion during the 2020 to 2024 period. That same research shows that one of the key drivers, rising demand for patio heating products. Now, more than halfway through 2021, the propane shortage continues to be a problem, with experts saying supplies are currently backordered six to eight weeks. While restaurants in the Midwest and East Coast can put those heaters away for now, Those misty San Francisco nights could leave some reaching for that extra jacket on their way out the door if the propane for heaters aren't available. Especially now that lawmakers in New York City, San Francisco, and other major cities are pushing to either extend or make permanent the outdoor dining changes that have worked so well for businesses this year. But Thomas adds it comes at a price. NASDAQ's market activity reporting that futures prices of lumber quintupled for 14 months after March of last year and is just now dropping because sawmills have been able to ramp up production again since COVID restrictions have loosened up. And shortages have also carried over into what food, wine, and beer is available for customers. Thomas says the ports are so backed up that wines they would usually get from overseas aren't making their way into restaurants at the pace they usually would. So what does this mean for consumers and restaurant goers? Maybe they'll order on the menu and they'll be like, oh, sorry, we ran out. Or in our in our world, we call it 86ing, right? We ran out of that item. Or maybe the wine list looks really short, right? And I just had this conversation with my my wine buyer and I was like, hey, I don't like this vintage. I want this. And he's like, we can't even get this vintage, right? Like everything is backed up. Thomas says that for now, customers will just have to be patient because this likely won't be the end of price hikes. I know many of us took a look at our prices after being closed for literally, you know, months, if not a year and raised them a dollar or something like that. But I think there's going to be another come to God reckoning 
if this pricing doesn't alleviate, and I've heard the head of the Fed saying, oh, it's not going to be that bad, but if, if stuff doesn't correct, you'll see another wave of prices go up probably in fall. The pandemic proved to be a brutal time in the job market for women, especially women of color. But what about women who worked in the supply chain? I got to ask Dana Stifler, Vice President of Research in Supply Chain Practice at Gartner. She recently published some research on this very issue. One part of your research that I found so interesting shows that 41% of the supply chain workforce is comprised of women. Now, when we think about the COVID pandemic and the shutdown, we think about all the reports that we heard that women were hit the hardest. Many had to stay home from work. They weren't able to choose to not stay home from work. So I wanted to ask about that effect on the supply chain. Did Losing women from the workforce have something to do with the supply chain being compromised? Our women in supply chain data, interestingly, Linda, is really counterintuitive. So we were shocked to see in our research that women in supply chain and operations were actually retained in the workforce. And then in some cases, when you looked at management through senior leadership ranks, were actually advancing even more than prior to the to the pandemic, which is really the counter story to most of the narrative on women working throughout the pandemic and many of them losing their jobs or having to either downshift or or quit because of home responsibilities for for their kids or for elder care reasons, other other important impacts there. So we have a few different reasons that we think supply chain showed this counterintuitive trend. And part of it is, and I'm not sure if your listeners realize this, but supply chain has a lot of salaried roles within it. It's not just manufacturing and distribution centers and truck drivers. There are people in procurement, people in quality roles, in supply chain planning, a lot of roles that might have been site or office-based but don't interface with the physical supply chain. Mm -hmm. And then when all of those jobs went remote, we were able to to have a higher percentage of women actually keep those roles. And because the the demographic for supply chain organizations is a little bit older on average, so there are a lot of uh, Gen X and boomers in, in supply chain management. And so in those management ranks for women, we saw that we were able to, to retain them. And also supply chain, as we all know now, is absolutely mission critical for the pandemic, for consumer value chains, for healthcare value chains. So these jobs were not... Sure, and everyday goods also, right? Yes, exactly. So mission-critical supply chains, flexible and remote work is normalized. That meant more women had a better chance of staying in that workforce. If you were talking about the hourly workforces in distribution centers, for example, that portion of the workforce did have higher attrition, right? Because you can't really, you can't work at a frontline distribution center job from home. And so that was quite a bit higher uh, attrition rate for that category for women. Did this leave them in a better position, though, to those women specifically to perhaps get better wages or better conditions or hours? That is the big question that we're waiting to see what will happen. So when we do this survey again in 2022, 
will we see the retention of some of these advances that women made, or will companies decide that they're going to insist on a hard return to site or hard return to the office, which would mean that we're giving up a lot of the flexibility that allowed more women to stay engaged and employed. So I think right now, especially at this inflection point that employers have an opportunity to decide if they are going to retain some of the good things that we learned about ourselves working in the pandemic, notably workplace work time flexibility, or we're going to go back to the old ways, which are We've already seen over decades that they are not especially friendly to uh, attracting, retaining, progressing women. You might have seen research about how women sometimes get the nod or get the promotion or get the big chance when things are really terrible, right? Right. So if you think about Theresa May in Brexit, right, Mm -hmm. after the, the conservatives could not get Brexit done, right, what do you know? Theresa May gets the gets the lead role. Uh, So in a bad situation, this is called the glass cliff, right? So what else could possibly go wrong? Why don't we give the woman a shot? But there's some really interesting research out that shows that women in uh, crisis scenarios in business really perform incredibly well. And along all kinds of KPIs, that's key performance indicators, do, do a great job. COVID-19 has shown us just how much we can do without in a pinch while exposing the weaknesses in the supply chain. But is the pandemic really the sole culprit? If you ask Michael Leroy, professor in the College of Law at the University of Illinois, it's actually a snowball effect from a decades-old assembly line strategy. Beginning in the late 1980s, there was a management strategy called just-in-time inventory, just-in-time production. Um, and it, part of it included lean staffing, have the, the minimum number of workers that you need to get this job done, even if you have to hold them to overtime. So the, the system was so taut that there, 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 there just wasn't any redundancy uh, built into it. And the current generation of managers doesn't know anything along the lines of, well, you need to actually build inventory in case you have an interruption. So we had problems with oil supply and we had shocks to the economy and and therefore there was more inventory whether it be petroleum uh or products and so forth because there was an understanding that this this system may halt and start and halt and start but again for the past 30 years it's been it's smooth uh running and then we ran into this brick wall so in, in several different ways, you know, we have a management philosophy and we have an HR philosophy, all of which are really tight. Everything runs by the hour, even the minute. And if you get a good hiccup in the system or as it were a bad hiccup, then the whole system is thrown out of whack. But more recently, Dana Stifler says. Even really early in 2019, global manufacturers and supply chain orgs were were struggling with trade policy challenges, weather events, labor and skill shortages. That was before the pandemic. 70% of them at that time said that they were already constantly responding to disruptions and unfamiliar events that that really put their systems under stress. When you add the pandemic to that, and then you add in parallel political and social unrest, you have additional climate events 
and even most re- recently, the Ever Given container ship getting wedged into the Suez Canal, right. things just kept piling up. And so even the most technologically advanced and nimble supply chain organizations have really struggled to keep up. A survey done by Jabal, a Florida-based manufacturing services company, shows that the pandemic disrupted 78% of supply chains, more than any other event in the last decade. So what lessons have we learned? And where do we go from here? Leroy says supply chains are going to shorten and shorter shipping times could allow quicker recovery for companies. What does that mean? For example, in in Illinois, there's a a very large steel mill called Granite City. It's in Granite City, Illinois, by St. Louis. But long story short is, um, you know, instead of bringing in steel from an overseas producer, um, now instead of putting it on, it would have to go on a ship. Now you're going to ship it out of the Midwest. And even if it goes to the West Coast, that's a shorter supply run than coming from uh, China or wherever it could be coming from. But he said companies will have to find a middle ground between globalism and protectionism, especially when we think about the rare earth elements that we still need to come from China that go into our everyday products and our microchips. In early June, the Biden administration announced an outline for dealing with the disruptions in the pandemic, after retailers begged the president to fix the ongoing port congestion. It included a goal to identify domestic sites where critical minerals could be mined, with environmental safeguards, in order to reduce reliance on imports. In his announcement, he said the move is, quote, about making sure the United States can meet every challenge we face in the new era. And companies are already starting to think of solutions, too. The Journal of Accountancy says 3M and Caterpillar have already implemented flexible and emergency planning, have found alternative supplies, and have connected partners with financing when cash runs low. So on whether our supply lines can get fixed, we stay tuned. In the meantime, I'm Linda Lopez. This is Connect the Dots from Odyssey. This week's episode was produced by Mallory Samara. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. Curious. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.